Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Josh, and I am glad that you're tuning in, that I get to share the next couple of minutes with you today. At Valley View Friends Church, we like to say that we are learning how to live as God's people, and we do this by reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. So, How do you know if you are pleasing God? How do you know if you're serving Him well? Today's message deals with finding the right starting point for serving God. If you don't start at the right place, you will find yourself very frustrated with life and with God. Well, there's a story that goes like this. There was a woman who was baking her Christmas cookies, and she heard a knock at the door. She opened the door to find a man who was dressed in very tattered clothes. He was obviously very poor, down on his luck, and he needed help. And he wondered if the woman had any work for him to do. She asked him, well, can you paint? And he said, I can paint. I'm a pretty good painter. And she said, okay. Here's a couple of gallons of green paint. Here's a paintbrush. And there's a porch out back that needs to be painted. And she said, if you do a good job, I'll pay you what you're worth. And he said, deal. I love it. And so he took that paintbrush and he went out back and she forgot about it until sometime later when there was another knock at the door. It was him. He had been painting because he had green paint spattered all over his clothes. And he said, I'm finished. She said, did you do a good job? And said, yes, ma'am, I did a good job. But I need to point something out to you, ma'am. That's not a Porsche out back. That's a Mercedes. Oh, what a misunderstanding that was. I don't even want to imagine how they fixed that one. Misunderstandings can cause a lot of problems. Some of them are expensive. It can be a simple problem that a misunderstanding can lead to, or it can lead to outright destruction. And at its worst, misunderstandings can destroy relationships. Today's scripture text is a story about how your relationship with Jesus, if you misunderstand it, you will damage the relationship. But getting it right ends with those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So here's the big idea. Trust that Jesus is good and that he knows what he's doing when he entrusts you with the treasure of his kingdom. If you believe this, it will make all the difference in your life. The Bible text today is an easy one to misunderstand. It's called the parable of the talents, and I I want to read it for you, but I want you to not just jump into how we typically understand it, which is that we need to be responsible with the talents, but instead I want you to listen for how the about for the relationship between the master and his servants. And think about what those relationships were like. So the text is in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And Jesus is speaking and he says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold, he gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. 
to the man with two bags of gold. Uh, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not gathered scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back at least with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a problem with this parable. At least it is for me. And that is, I have often misunderstood it, and I suspect a lot of us misunderstand this parable. When I was a teenager, a young Christian, I read this parable a lot. It was very concrete to me. Uh, The pastors in my life, they taught from this parable very frequently. And at that point, the NIV, which is what I just read, translated the passage with the term talent. Well, now the NIV has been updated, and it translates the term talent as bags of gold. And I I have to admit, when I first saw that, it bothered me. I I never really thought it was too hard to do the work of understanding that a a talent was something different in Jesus' day. A talent is a weight used to measure an amount of gold. However, when I was a teenager... Even though I heard that a talent was about gold, I quickly jumped from money and treasure to my own talents and abilities, and I'd ask myself, how am I using my talents for God? And how do you use your talents for God? And those are good questions. It's a question about giving what you have to God. However, that is not where you should start when you read the parable of the talents. If you do, it can lead to a certain amount of misunderstanding. You'll start by saying things like this. Well, how can I use my talents for God? And well, then you'll say, well, I must use my talents and resources for the master. And and then you might say, well, I, I think I need to impress the master. Or the other side of it is, is I don't want to fail the master. What if I don't impress him? And, and then you might say, well, I don't produce good things in my life, and if I don't do that, if I don't produce good things, then I I will not impress the master, and he'll throw me out. And those thoughts are a problem because they're not quite what the parable is saying. If you read or hear this parable and leave with a feeling of determination that you must use your talents and your resources for God so that he is pleased with you and lets you into heaven, then you have missed the point of Jesus's teaching. So, just what are you supposed to know from this parable of the talents? Well, let's take a moment and move from where most of us start with this parable. I I need to use my, that, that idea of I need to use my talents to serve God. And let's reset to the real starting point. If you start by asking yourself what you do with your talents, then you're starting in the wrong place. Start 
with knowing who the master is and what kind of master he is. The story is about the master, first the owner of the estate. That's where Jesus begins. He says there's a man, a master, getting ready to go on a journey, and he's tasking his servants with taking care of his property, his estate. Who the master is matters. And so we must, when we read this parable, start with, well, who's the master? We got to start with the master. And what we're really led to understand is that it's Jesus. Jesus is telling a story about himself. First and foremost, this parable uh, in it, the master is Jesus. Very specifically, he's speaking to his disciples and he's letting them know that he's about to leave them. He's heading to the cross and eventually Jesus will ascend into heaven. And while in heaven, he has entrusted his disciples with his precious treasure, all of creation, all the people. And Jesus also tells his disciples that he's coming back. And when he does, he will call everyone to account for what we have done with the treasure he has entrusted us with. The master in the story is Jesus. And that makes all the difference. That's where you have to start. Don't start with the word talent. Start with Jesus, the master. And that's the problem because you need to know who he is and what kind of master he is. Because we have all kinds of masters in this world. You can have a, a boss at work, a teacher, a parent, an authority figure who's cruel. They can't get past their own sin. Their every thought is about themselves or worse. They don't even see you as a person. You only exist for their purposes and they don't treat you well. I hope you've not experienced that sort of person, that sort of master. Many of us have. But Jesus is the master in this story and he is the master of all of creation. And he is good. Jesus is truth. He is love. He has the ultimate authority. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. Jesus is the forgiveness of your sins and the source of salvation. It matters that he is the master in the story. And the parable tells us all kinds of things of what kind of master that Jesus is. I've already alluded to a few things, but the parable itself, when Jesus tells it, tells us that there's a man who's wealthy. How do I know this? Because he hands out a lot of bags of gold, talents, if you will. I'll use the word talent for a while. Just how much is a bag of gold or a talent? A talent is a weight used to measure gold. And more than anything else, you need to understand that a talent is, it represents an outrageous amount of money. A talent is worth approximately 6,000 denarii. Now, that probably didn't help you too much, but a denarii, a denarius, a single one, was a day's wage. It was a silver coin used to pay someone for a whole day's wage. So, if a talent is worth 6,000 denarii, a talent is essentially worth 20 years of wages. The master is wealthy and he hands out, if you do the math, 160 years worth of wages to his three servants to care for. So the master, he is wildly wealthy and he entrusts his servants with his wealth. That's the second thing you need to understand. He entrusts his servant with his wealth. And Jesus, he really trusts you with his treasure. He has confidence in you. And he has a, that's something else about the master. He's got a plan. He doesn't just leave his property, assuming his servants will manage it okay. He's, he's not a master of randomness or chaos. He has a plan, and that plan is, is that he entrusts his servants with his wealth. So, he, he puts together a plan, 
And part of that plan is that he gives to you according to your ability. In verse 15, it plainly says that he gives to each servant according to their skill, their ability. And Jesus does the same with you. And he arms you with the Holy Spirit to do more than you can do on your own. And this story also tells us he will demand an accounting. The master in the parable asks each of the three servants to report on how they did with what was entrusted with them. And when Christ returns, we'll stand before his judgment seat and we'll report to him what we did with our lives. At that moment of... uh, When we're standing before Jesus, the most important thing we're going to have to know is who he is. The first importance is going to be our understanding of Jesus. Who is he? Is he our master or not? Do we trust him or not? Secondly, it's what we will have done with that understanding. And so, I need to go from just knowing who the master is to knowing who and what kind of master Jesus is affects who you will be and what you will do. Because the story tells us about three servants and their reactions to the master. The first two servants, they know the master. They know that it's his treasure that they're entrusted with. They know that the master believes them to be capable of managing exactly what he's given them because he gave them according to their ability. And so they put the money to work. They grow what was given to them. The one with five bags of gold Uh, or five talents, he doubles them. And so does one with two bags of gold or two talents. He doubles that. The third servant also knows that he's entrusted with the master's treasure, but he does not know his master. The third servant, in fear, digs a hole and buries his bag of gold. Just so you know, that's a common practice in the ancient Middle East. It's often the best way to protect wealth from invading armies is to bury it. There were no banks like we have today that would safeguard money that are insured. There were money changers, and that's likely what Jesus is talking about. Just, it would have been better if you had deposited money with the money changers. You could have gotten interest because they will take the money you give them and they will grow it for a fee. But money changers are no protection from thieves or invading armies, and so often people would just bury their wealth in the ground because who's going to know it's there? The first two servants are marked by faith in their master. They believe him to be good and trustworthy, and so they have faith that he knew what he was doing when he entrusted his wealth to them. The servants understand that the treasure they have is his treasure. Earlier, I said one of the misunderstandings that come from this parable is a thought that goes like this. I must use my talents and resources for the master. That's incorrect. There's a little word there that is a problem. My. When I talk about what is mine, I place myself in a position of authority, and that's not how it works. The master is an authority over us. God is an authority over us. Jesus is to be our Lord. You and I are created by God, not to possess, but to steward all of creation. Everything in life itself is a gift of God, and we are meant to steward it. When you try to become the owner, misunderstandings happen. I got a couple of quotes here that talk about how possession can be a problem. Alan Fading writes, and he says, the drive to possess is an engine for hurry. Boy, isn't that true? How often we busy our lives because we're trying to get more stuff for ourselves. Albert Schweitzer writes this, if you own something you cannot give away, then you don't own it. It 
owns you. <laughs> I think we're owned by a lot of stuff in this world, aren't we? Martin Luther writes, I have held many things in my hand and have lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands, I still possess. And that's the reality. When we realize that all that we have, all that we are, whether it is ourselves, our jobs, our homes, our children, our families, when we realize that they really belong to God and not us, and we hand them over to God, we're a lot healthier for it. Understanding that the master is the owner will change your relationship with everything in life. Now, those first two servants, they respond to the master with faithfulness, not fear. The first two servants trust the master's appraisal of them, he, his confidence in them. They're not worried about impressing the master or letting him down. Did you catch that the master rewards the first and second servant exactly the same? I mean, the first one earned a lot more money. He got a hundred years of extra wages to give back to the master. It's not the amount of what you produce. It's knowing, the, it's knowing the master and being faithful to him that makes all the difference. And we see that particularly with the third servant. He responds differently. He buries the treasure. He doesn't lose it. He keeps it safe. So what's the problem? Can the master really be mad at the servant for keeping what was entrusted with him safe? Yes. And he brings judgment down upon that third servant. Uh, and, and the judgment's harsh, isn't it? He, he takes what he has and he gives it to the first and he throws the servant outside, removing him from the master's kingdom. This is not a story about taking from the have-nots and enriching the wealthy. It's a parable about knowing who the master is and responding to him with faith. The third servant does not know who the master is. How do I know? He is afraid of him. He is worried. The third servant blames the master for his inactivity. I, 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 didn't, I didn't do anything with what you entrusted me with. I didn't do anything with that talent. I, I, just, I just buried it because I know that you are hard and you would be angry with me if I lost it. That's essentially what he's saying. He's saying, I, I couldn't make anything with it because I was afraid of you. He's blaming the master. The servant believes his master is cruel and wicked. And with that, that servant himself becomes wicked. He's described as the wicked servant. The other two, they believe the master to be good. And guess what? They're called good and faithful servants. Who they believe the master is, is what they become. Blaming God will not get you far. Many will use blame to justify their own shortcomings. But you have to start with knowing the master. And there are a lot of people who do not know who God is. They do not know Jesus. Everyone I've ever met who is against God or against Jesus had no idea who he was. And this is what I mean. Most of us have an idea of who God is or who Jesus is. And this idea is based on the teaching of our culture or ideas we imagine in our minds rather than what the whole Bible actually says about God, about Jesus. And our culture says God is a cruel judge who punishes, uh, that God is anti-science, that he's angry, that he's mean for letting us suffer in pain when he has the power to stop it. And most people who are frustrated with God are frustrated with their misunderstanding of God. They don't know the master. They haven't tried to know him. 
They haven't honestly prayed. They have not really read the Bible. They have only fed their frustrations and their fears. If this is you today, please get to know the Master. Get to know Jesus. And when you really know who He is, it will change who you are. It will change your relationships with others and with Jesus. And it will change your response to Jesus and your responsibilities that you have to Jesus. But that part comes last. Let's take a moment talk about your bags of gold. Or at least we call them ours, but they're really God's. When you know who Jesus is, you will experience a change in all the bags of gold in your life. Instead of hanging on to everything with a tight fist, you will see the precious gifts that you have been entrusted with. Yes, that you have abilities and skills and talents. Yeah, the English word for talent actually comes from this parable. So the skills you have are a unique gift from God. That's true. But life itself is a gift. Have you ever thought of your very existence as a gift entrusted to you? And you will have to account for your life when Jesus returns. Not just any life at all. You don't just have life that you're alive walking this world. You have a life that's been given to you that's God-breathed. And we are to be holy. You know, time is a gift. Why, time is one of the most precious of all commodities, isn't it? You can gain a skill, you can increase finances, you can gain reputation, but time is beyond your control. You can't get more. You can only manage what you've got. And each moment is a gift entrusted to you. What are you doing with your time? What creation itself is God's, and it's entrusted to us to steward. Brother Lawrence has this quote, Trust we put in God honors him much, and it draws down great graces. Trust we put in God honors him much, and it draws down great graces. So don't hear the parable of talents and resolve to use what you have to serve God more. Hear the words of Jesus and resolve to know him better and to put your faith entirely in him. Let's pray. O oh God, the light of the minds that know you, the light of the souls, that, the life of the souls that love you, and the strength of the wills that serve you, help us to know you, that we may truly love you, so that to love you we may faithfully serve you. Whom to serve is perfect freedom, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Go with Jesus.